One of the reasons why I am naturally secular, as well as the fact that I am innately non-religious, is because these particular Bible verses promote biblically inspired atheist discrimination. Psalm chapter 53, verse 1. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt and their ways are vile. There is no one who does good. First of all, bigotry against non-believers is pure evil. Second of all, not all non-believers are males. So the pure evil of heteronormativity needs to be completely obliterated and three good people do exist they are the majority within the planet earth so let me tell you the truth about atheists atheism is not foolishness atheists value being pragmatic being practical being rational being reasonable being logical the love of evidence the search for the truth doing right by the facts Testing beliefs, reading, writing, researching, academia, scholarship, and the appreciation for science. Atheists are not the type of people that say there's no God in order to cover their sins. Atheists say there's no God because... of the whole not seeing overwhelming evidence for any deity or Christ figure. Atheists don't say there's no God in order to have an excuse to continue in sin. Atheists say there's no God because of the problem of hell and the realities of centuries of evil suffering and sickness the majority of atheists value human decency. The majority of atheists value integrity, um, substance of character, and neighborly compassion. Um, Atheists are extremely intelligent people. Atheists are highly educated people. And atheists are true intellectuals. Atheists have all of the positive character traits. They expect them not just out of themselves, but they expect them out of others. In other words, they they value all the positive character traits in other people. And that's what they expect out of other people because what they expect out of themselves, all the positive character traits within themselves. 
Um, atheists are not fools. Um, atheists are not gullible. Atheists value creative thinking, critical thinking, and lateral thinking. Um, atheists are not the type of people to say there's no God in order to ignore the judge in order to avoid the judgments. No. Atheists say there's no God also because of the fact that humans invented religious texts. Therefore, there's no evidence of God inventing any religious texts. So, atheists are not the type of people to reject God or God's existence in order to do evil, in order to do wrong. No, atheists are morally excellent people, and atheists are law-abiding people. Atheists value social justice and atheists value human rights. So equity and equality are majorly big deals to atheists. Atheists value community service and community upliftment and community improvement. Um, atheists are not the type of people to say there's no God in order to fulfill our desire to do wrong. Atheists are the type of people to say there's no God because of how God is portrayed in the Bible. Genocidal. Slavery sanctioning. And into the abusive cis heteropatriarchy to name few of the countless examples of the problematic descriptions of God. And I wanted to say that because I've got to know atheists. Most atheists are outstanding human beings. Um, and there's more I'm going to say. Um, so a lot of people would say that a lot of believers say to atheists, you better apologize and admit that you're wrong because the rejection of God will turn to terror of God. And that's the reason why atheists don't buy that, which is understandable, is because that's turning God into Count Dracula. I've come to suck your blood. I'm like, no. None of that. God is not like that. God is not the private life police. As long as you are treating yourself and others respectfully in all areas of your life, whether, you know, professional and personal, God is a live and let live type of God. (laughs) That's what I say. Um, That's actually a healthy depiction of God. That actually compliments God. That is also a kind description of God. Let's say there is a God. It would be that type of God. Um...
I felt the need to put that out there because when we portray people in inhumane manners, we meaning the Bible writers, not us though, of course, it makes it even more difficult for me and people like me to fully believe in God because the Bible does not tell the truth about atheists. Now you understand why. I have religious skepticism in my heart. Okay, here's another awful depiction as well as nightmarish description of atheists. The atheism discriminatory attitudes pervade in the Bible. Psalm chapter 14, verses 1. It's always that first verse that is just dishonoring of atheists. The fool says in his heart, there's no God, they're corrupted, they're corrupted, they're there's no one who does good. Again, why the unnecessary repetition? Why the self-righteousness? Why the holier-than-thou? Why the Pharisaism? Why is hatred disguised as love? Again, why is compassionless hatred described as compassionate love? Why... Dehumanize atheists. Why demonize atheists? True, I mean, true atheists, like atheists, don't ignore evidence of any kind. Atheists value truth and truths. Atheists value facts and facts, I say again. Um, atheists are not perverse. Atheists are not abusive. Atheists are not violent. Atheists are not criminalistic. Um, atheists are not horrible. Atheists are well self-controlled people. Atheists are sexually responsible people. And... Atheists are not fear mongers and atheists are not war mongers. Um, atheists are not overly self reliant and atheists are not aggressive people. Atheists are not wicked. Atheists are not foolish. Atheists are not crazy. Atheists are not lazy. And some believers would say to speak in direct defiance of God is utterly foolish according to the Bible. I dare say that atheists rightfully so have issues with the fact that science and religion contradict each other so there's nothing disrespectful about that on the part of atheists scholarship and the bible contradict each other so there's no foolishness on the part of atheists pertaining to that and
Atheists are the type of people that don't worship anything. Atheists don't worship themselves. Atheists are the type of people that are open to truths being figurative, literal, and both. How can you hate something that you don't believe in? Because atheists are not going around persecuting religious people. Most atheists, I'm speaking on the majority of atheists when I say everything I'm saying. Most atheists walk by a church or they're in a wheelchair or seeing an eye dog, however they get around, no disrespect. Nothing bad happens to that, to the churches. They walk by mosques or travel. They travel past temples and synagogues. Nothing bad happens to those houses of worship. Some of them travel to work, to school, and it's obvious that there there's a house of worship, house of worship on the streets that they're traveling. And they don't go in there and bomb Christians. They don't go in there and kill Christians. They don't go up there and shoot Christians. In fact, this is exactly all these hateful attitudes toward atheists is exactly why if, you know, the politicians who are atheists are not very public about it. Because they're dis- atheists are discriminated against when it comes to running for public office, when it comes to parental custody, court battles, and when it comes to being forced to participate in religious holidays that they don't want to participate in. So now, um, so now you understand why I say what I'm saying. Refusing to worship the biblical God does not automatically make somebody evil. Instead of being quick to judge hypocritically, be quick to have civilized sit-downs with people who are atheists. So that y'all can come to the proper understandings of who and what atheism and atheists are all about. You're not going to get that knowledge if you have a hard heart against non-believers and unbelievers. But you should have a, you should be soft-hearted towards non-believers and unbelievers. So, I finished the religion part Now let's get to the sex part. Let me tell you about the adulterous affairs I had in college. Again, I'm not adding any glitz or glamor to it because we're talking about healing from trauma pertaining to me. So, When it came to the doctor's affairs I had in college, they were with, as I've said, white women and Hispanic women. There was no sexual, again, no sexual racism, no sexual misogyny, and no queerphobia, no misogyny, no no racism of any kind. There was no sexual misandry either. Um, I grew up with sexual misandry and organized crime. So, again, free of racism, free of misandry, free of misogyny, free of queerphobia, okay? Let me give y'all new information. Um, 
My time spent with them, I mean, how long did these affairs last? Um, between the ages of 18 through 21, so all of my three and a half years of college, I was having um, extramarital affairs, extramarital sex with married women and um, women fiancés and women girlfriends. Um, Not all the women that I was sleeping with in college were um, in monogamous relationships. Most of them were either single mothers Uh, single women without children too. And um, I mean we we had a social life. It wasn't just sex. We had a regular social life. Went to the typical social places that people go when they spend time with each other and hang out. So it wasn't it wasn't just sex. It was mostly we spend time, we hang out. It was basically a social friendship, if you will, how it was defined by us subconsciously at the time. Um, I'm not mad at any of them. I'm not bitter towards any of them. I don't have any malicious attitudes towards any of them. I don't have any ill will or ill feelings toward any of them. Because when people mean you no intentional harm, no true harm, I'm not excusing any of the negative impact on what happened between us. What I'm saying is, is that it did not come from a place where it was I just want to abuse you for the fun of it it was more of a lot of times trauma survivors we don't know how a lot of us don't know how to have healthy relationships with each other a lot of us don't know how to have healthy dynamics with each other and a lot of us don't know how to be appropriate with each other. A lot of us don't know how to have healthy boundaries with each other because we weren't taught those things. If we came from healthy families and healthy homes and healthy communities and healthy environments, the affairs would have never happened. If we had the village, a positive people village, we would have never, ever had extramarital sex with each other. We would have been cordial, you know, a younger person treating these older people well, these older people treating me well, But there would not have been any type of secret social life that we had that their partners didn't know about. There would not have been any secret sex that their partners did not know about. We were never caught. And their partners never knew. They never knew our social life and they never knew the sex that we were having. I've met some of the kids. I've met their kids. Um, But they never had me meet their partners. It's like... The kids knew who I was. But they even had the kids... You know, oh, this is just a friend. But because the partners were often not at home, often absent from the home, often absent from the kids and the mothers, um, that is how 
the kids and the mothers just kept the secret of, of me to themselves. It's kind of like, you know, dad is indifferent to us or my man is indifferent to us. Um, and plus the kids, from what I remember, did not get along well with their dads. And the mothers didn't get along well with their, um, with the, with their, um, committed life partners because, some, you know, these tended to be deadbeat dads, absent dads, emotionally abusive to the children. I never witnessed it because whenever I was in their home, their husbands or boyfriends or fiancés were not in the home. And the kids were like, actually happy to keep me secret mothers too even though all of this is just terrible and horrible that I'm telling you about this is what happened in my situation um and I also um remember that most of these women were older women. Most of these women were the type of women that society calls older women. I just want to be respectful of the ladies, of women. Um, Most of... these women were whom society would say are cougars and mills. Um, I'm going to take a step further. Some of the women I was sleeping with were elderly women. Um, that's what society would call them. Society would also call them jilfs. For y'all that don't know what mills or jilfs are, because I may have new listeners, so I can't assume that all y'all understand. Milf, milfs, according to society, means a mother I'd like to fuck. Jilfs means a grandmother I'd like to fuck. So, there were some of these elderly women. Most of them were widows. Most of them were uh, single women. Most of them were uh, single women without children. Most of them were um, were single women with adult children. You know. And um, in terms of the elderly women, some were widows, some were single with adult children, some were single with no children. There were some elderly women that were married, but they grew up in a time where you had to stay in a miserable marriage. Um, And these situations were similar to the middle-aged women that I was sleeping with. Um, They all came from families where you had to stay in miserable marriages and miserable life partnerships, boyfriends and girlfriends. And... um, Some of them were in, like, miserable, like, courtships, if you will. C-O-U-R-T-S-H-I-P-S. And these were the things that happened. Um, Not glorifying these things. I'm just 
a factual news reporter of my life regarding these things. And I share everything. Everything I share has substance. Everything I share, there's transformational growth for the better. So I don't, I'm not a salacious person. I'm a person that I get, I constantly give out cautionary tales. Um, so people can understand that when people like me are deprived of a positive person, positive people village, inappropriateness occurs. As a child, criminal criminality occurred. Perversities occurred. And um, I would say the, the I would say that these middle-aged women, these elderly women, um, were white women and Hispanic women too. And it's just devastating for me to even have to share such things. Because we all, I mean, some of these women, middle-aged women, elderly women, were just casual, most of them were casual sex buddies of mine. There was a handful that were already in relationships. Some of the middle-aged women I was sleeping with had adult children. Some of the middle-aged women I was sleeping with were... um, We're in, um, we're already widows. Some middle-aged women I was sleeping with already had adult children. Some of the middle-aged women I was with had no children. So, just wanted to clear that up. So I was constantly in women's houses in college. That's the the majority of the sex that we would have. And I remember um, like the the ones that were in community relationships, the middle age women, elderly women, um, They were, they had men in their life that were emotionally abusive. And they, um, emotional abuse tended to be, I'm sleeping with other women, you have to deal with it. Um, that's what these men told the women I was with. Um, and it was name calling, it was criticizing their bodies. And there was some physical abuse, but the women, they did stand up for themselves. So the physical abuse was extremely short lived. And the yelling and cussing out thing that they did to the women, that was extremely short lived too because these women were like, I can go toe to toe with you. I'm yelling and cuss at you and I'm not gonna 
stop until you stop. So the men had to quit. I never saw these things. This is what these women told me. And did I ever see bruises? No. I didn't see any bruises because when, you know, there was guys swinging on the women, the women, um, they fought back. And some of them were, I would say a lot of them were already in divorce proceedings. They filed for divorce and they were getting a divorce. They're in the process of getting divorced when they met me. And some and there were some middle-aged women that were divorced. And some on the same day. Because we were friends at one point. Um, some of us agreed okay. Some of us, meaning the middle-aged women, elderly women, is like, okay. The day I my divorce is finalized, the day that, you know, we're going to be inti- sexually intimate partners and we're going to be emotionally intimate with one another. So there were some that on the day that they got divorced was that was the day that we, would, we had sex all day and all night too. Um, wow. Uh, whew. Yeah, these stories, I've lived a, a very roller coaster existence. And I say that with humility in my heart. Um, there were some women that elderly and middle aged, they were already divorced when they met me. So I was basically their friends with benefits. They're like, you know what? Fuck marriage. I'm never going to do marriage again. And when they met me, it was like, I want you, I want you to hang out with me. And I want you to pleasure me sexually. And that was our agreement. Wow. Uh, This all happened 18 to 21 years of my being in college. And when I was in school, meaning college, um, I remember there were a few times where I met their husband. Most of them wouldn't have me meet their husbands or boyfriends or um, committed life, you know, or their fiancés, right? I actually met a few of them. They just didn't know that they were meeting the person who was with their wives or fiancés and girlfriends. So it was a half. It was a few handful of times, but it was just cordial. Like, oh, this is, you know, this is a good friend. You know, he's a family friend. That's how I was introduced. It wasn't purposeful, like, let's meet. It was, we were, you know, we were hanging out. And a few times, their men would come to pick them up. And so, that's what happened. We never had sex in the dorms. It was always, we agreed, let's go to your house or let's have public sex somewhere. Um, it could be at the beach it could be at um, a mall, dre- mall dressing rooms. It could be public bathrooms. Most most of the sex we had was in their houses. Sometimes we felt like being frisky. So I remember, and I detail some of that, the rest in my Autism is Super Blessing Volume 1 book. But I just wanted to give you all those examples of that. Um, yeah, when I say the rest, I'm talking, when I say detail, the rest, I mean all the other public sex I was having, but I was just giving out information that I didn't put in the book. I'm telling you in the podcast, 
So. I do want to say that um, that part of my life I've healed. I now have healthy relationships, sexually speaking, with middle-aged women. Um, elderly women. And just women in general. I'm not being heteronormative. You already know I'm pangender pansexual, but I'm being specific about that part of my life. Um, at the time, I didn't know it's pansexual pangender. At the time, I thought I was straight and cisgender, so that's why there's no need for me to ever explain anything to the women, even though I was questioning my sexuality and my sense of gender and or genders, I went by the I'm straight and I'm male because I grew up in a um, a world where um, religiously and um, you know my family and um, you know that those cultures I was in it was that's how we identified ourselves I was never homophobic I was never transphobic I was never biphobic I was never queerphobic I was never gayphobic I never had any negative attitudes towards gender and sexual diversity Um, I just want to clear that up so I think you know, some of the women I was sleeping with were young adult women in the community. And they were white and his, and they were also Hispanic. Some white, some Hispanic. Um, now I have healthy relationships, sexually speaking, with young women. Um, in the town I was in, I didn't get a chance to meet a lot of black people, so that's why racially what occurred occurred. If there were any black women at the time interested in me, like I said in my book, we would have definitely had sex with each other because of my state of mind at the time. Um, I, I am thankful to clear the air and to also give cautionary tales on sex like and I give sexual cautionary tales too people don't think about the cautionary tales that should be correctly applicable to sex and I even give non-sexual cautionary tales people gotta think about cautionary tales outside of sex too so important And um, I'm so grateful to share these things with you, not to gloat and not to bloat, but to let you all know that autism and sexuality and autism and gender are extremely important realities that need to be... um, need to be responded with neighborly empathy. Don't dehumanize people whether they're on the autism spectrum or not. And don't demonize anyone's sexuality or gender whether they're on the autism spectrum or not. Because we're fully human. Even though a lot of times we're treated and seen as if we are fully inhumane. We're not fully inhuman, we're fully human. We're fully humane, not fully inhumane. And so, that's what occurred. Um, let's get to 
real quick I'm going to talk about the porn company I want to do um I want to showcase ethical porn because and a big reason is because I want to show sex and sexuality in all of the artful, truthful, wise, and discernment-based ways. Number one. Number two, I want to educate people about the horror stories and terror stories of organized crime-based sex and sexuality. And number three... I want to remove all of the bigotry, stereotypes, caricatures, and inhumane depictions of sex and sexuality that unfortunately exist. And um, I really feel the need to communicate that. And kind fashion so to speak what have you and the ethical porn company I want to do and I want to say this on record so for the new listeners I want to have sexual trauma therapists sex positive therapists sexologists sex coaches sexual researchers and sex therapists I want to have intimacy coordinators I want to have intimacy choreographers I want to have um, sign language interpreters and translators I want to have Braille interpreters and Braille translators, you know, CNI dogs. I want to fully cater to all the people with disabilities. I want to be a a ethical porn company that specializes in autism rights, the deaf rights movement, um, the disability rights movement. I want us to have hearing aids and all of what people with disabilities need, all the reasonable accommodations so they can have um, excellent sexual filmography and excellent sexual cinematography and excellent uh, televised sex. So I wanted to say that on record. I want to give reasonable accommodations to, I want to give all the reasonable accommodations and all of the human rights, not just to people with disabilities, but to black, indigenous people of color, the LGBTQI plus community, the non-binary gender queer community, the gender, the genderless community, gender sexual diversity community, uh, uh, pe- Hispanic, people of Hispanic descent, uh, Native Americans, uh, people who are from what is called the Middle East, um, people from all the continents and all the islands, okay? Uh, everyone experiences all around human justice, all around equity, all around equality, no disparities, no discrepancies, no injustices, um, And every everyone is free of human rights violations, human rights abuses. Everyone is free of abuse, crime, and violence of all kinds. Everyone is free of betrayal of all kinds, too. And all the age of consent laws are honored because enthusiastic consent is a requirement. And everyone, everyone in the porn company of mine that's ethical 
has to be sensitive lovers, sensitized lovers, hospitable lovers, and neighborly lovers, compassionate lovers, empathetic lovers. Those are part of the contracts. And... Everyone's reasonable accommodations are glad, gladfully met correctly. And one more thing before I go to organized crime. I'm not encouraging people to be sexually one way. I'm encouraging people to enjoy um, the diversification of healthy sex and healthy sexuality, whether that's married, unmarried, group sex, and two people sex. Now let's get to organized crime. For me... Organized crime um, I remember So before I get to organized crime, I'm gonna sum it all up. I live a life of secular sexuality and I do have secular sex. Therefore, I do not live a life of faith-based sexuality, which also means I do not have faith-based sex. I am naturally secular all around in all areas of my life and I am also innately non-religious all around in all areas of my life. Now let's get to the final organized crime stories that I'll be telling you all. In the world of organized crime, here are the other things that criminals had me do for them. Um... They had me do casino games for them. Almost any game can be played for money, and any game typically played for money can also be played just for fun. Some games are generally offered in a casino setting. So yes, I was forced to be in casinos playing casino games for them. I was forced to play table games uh, for them. Uh... In the United States, table game is the term used for games of chance, such as blackjack, craps, roulette, and baccarat that are played against a casino and operated by one or more live croupiers, as opposed to those played on a mechanical device like a slot machine or against other players instead of the casino, such as standard poker. Table games are properly played in casinos and involve some form of legal gambling, but also are played privately by varying house rules. The term has significance in that some jurisdictions permit casinos to have only slots and no table games. In some states, this law has resulted in casinos employing electronic table games such as relay, blackjack, and craps. Table games on casinos include Baccarat, Blackjack, Craps, Relay, Poker, Texas Hold'em, Five Car Draw, Omaha Hold'em, Big Six Wheel Pool. All those definitions of table games are the type of table games I was forced to play for the criminals. And all those words describe that part of my life, which is one of the parts of my life called organized crime. Uh... I was forced to play the gaming machines for them. Pachinko slot machines, video lottery terminals, video pokers, bingo, keno, as also random numbers games. So they had me play gaming, the criminals had me play gaming machines for them. And the criminals had me play random numbers games um, for them. Um... 
So I experienced house advantage of these games. Casino games typically provide a predictable long-term advantage to the casino or house while offering the players the possibility of a short-term gain that in some cases can be large. So I experienced that. And then it says the players are disadvantaged as a result of the casino not paying winning wages according to the game's true odds, which are the payouts that would be expected considering the odds of a wager either winning or losing. I saw that happening to other people all the time in that world. Um, I was forced to play electronic gaming by the criminals. Online, online roulette, pachinko, sick, sick bow, slot machines, video poker, video bingo, bingo, and keno. I was also forced to play non-casino games for them, which included money because criminals are involved. So, um, I was forced to play Bassett, Icarte, Lance, Quinet, Putt, the Razzle, Hanky, Pank, Head and Tail, Two Up, Three Card, Monte, Shell Game, Bat Gaming, Liars Dice, Pass It Dix, D I X, Hazard Threes, Pig or Mexico or Peruto. I was forced to play non casino card games, carnival games, coin tossing games, confidence tricks, and dice base games. Um. I was forced to play non-casino games. Gambling games that take place outside of casinos include bingo. It's played in the U.S. and U.K., Deadpool, Lotteries, Pool, Tab Games, and Scratch Cards in Mahjong. Um, I was forced to do fixed odds betting. Fixed odds betting in paramutual betting, which I was also forced to do. Frequently occur at many types of sporting events and political elections, which they had me bet on those things. In addition, many bookmakers offer fixed odds on a number of non-sports related outcomes. For example, the direction and extent of movement of various financial indices, the winner of television competitions such as Big Brother and election results. Interactive prediction markets also offer trading on these outcomes with quote-unquote shares of results trading on an open market. I was forced to do the mutual betting. One of the most widespread forms of gambling involved betting on horse or greyhound racing, which they had me do. Wagering may take place through Paramutual pools or bookmakers, which they had me play both roles, may take bets personally. Paramutual wagers, which they had me be one of them, pay off at prices determined by support in the wagering pools, while bookmakers pay off either at the odds offered at the time of accepting the bet or at the median odds offered by track bookmakers at the time the race started. They had they had me do those things. They also had me do sports betting. Betting on team sports has become an important service industry in many countries. Before the event of the internet, millions of people played the football pools every week in the United Kingdom. In addition to organized sports betting, both legal and illegal, there are many side betting games played by casual groups of spectators, such as NCAA basketball tournament, bracket pools, Super Bowl squares, fantasy sports leagues with monetary entry fees and winnings and in-person spectator games like mind ball they had me do sports betting they had me do um card counting um card counting. Many existence exists for blackjack to keep track of the ratio of 10 values to all others. When this ratio is high, the player has an advantage and should increase the amount of their bets. Keeping track of cards dealt con- keeping track of cards dealt confers an advantage in other games as well. They had me do do column betting, a variation on fixed profits betting in which the better sets a target profit and then calculates a bet size that will make this profit, adding any losses to the target. That me do fixed profits. The stakes vary based on the odds to ensure the same profit from each winning selection. That me do the fixed stakes. And a traditional system of staking the, the same amount on each selection. They had me do the Kelly. 
the optimal level to bet to maximize your future median bank level. That may do the Martingale, a system based on staking enough each time to recover losses from previous bets until one wins. So that may do the staking systems. Many betting systems have been created in an attempt to beat the house in quotations, but no system can make a mathematically unprofitable bet in terms of expected value profitable over time. And I already mentioned to you those widely used staking systems. They had me do spread betting. Spread betting allows gamblers to wagering on the outcome of an event where the payoff is based on the accuracy of the wager rather than a simple win or lose outcome. For example, a wager can be based on the when a point is scored in the game in minutes and each minute away from the prediction increases or reduces the payout. They had me do betting exchanges. Betting exchanges allows consumers to both back and lay at odds of their choice. Similar in some ways to a stock exchange, a better may want to back a horse hoping it will win or lay a horse hoping it will lose, effectively acting as bookmaker. Um, they had me do the, these, the other types of betting. One can also bet with another person that a statement is true or false, that a specified event will happen, a back bet or will not happen, a lay bet within a specified time. This occurs in particular when two people have opposing but strongly held views on truth or events. Not only do the parties hope to gain from the bet, they place the bet also to demonstrate their certainty about the issue. Some means of determining the issue at stake must exist. Sometimes the amount bet remains nominal, demonstrating the outcome is one of principle rather than a financial importance. They had me do virtual sports betting. Based on sports betting, virtual sports or fantasy never played sports events made by software that could be played every time without wondering about external things like weather conditions. They had me do arbitrage betting. Arbitrage betting is a theoretically risk-free betting system in which every outcome of an event is bet upon so that a known profit will be made by the better upon completion of the event regardless of the outcome. Arbitrage betting is a combination of the ancient art of arbitrage trading and gambling, which has been made possible by the large numbers of bookmakers in the marketplace, creating occasional opportunities for arbitrage. And so, yes, the all these criminals had me do all these things, and these are all largely illegal activities, and it did help to spur the growth of the Italian Mafia, which I was a part of, and the other criminal organizations, which I already told you I was a part of. So, I say in closing that... um. I have a healthy relationship with sex and sexuality, with gender and sexual diversity, um, with erotica, with pornography, with curiosa, with nudity, half nudity, fully clothed. Um, I have a healthy relationship with money, with finances, with economics, with full independent living, um, I am into social entrepreneurship and and servant leadership. And um, I am a free-thinking humanist. And I am a secularist that's into secularism. And the last thing that I'll say is my boundless optimism and my relentless careful living and my non-stop ethicalness was never and is never diminished by pure evil. 
always enhanced and accelerated by pure good and pure greater good. Pure greater evil never vanquishes me. I am extremely well-balanced, extremely well-rounded, extremely well-adjusted, extremely well-unified in all areas of my life, in all areas of the lives of others, in all areas of life overall as a whole in general. Those are all of my professional experiences and all of my personal experiences, all of my experiences related to advocacy and activism. And as we say in Clubhouse, I yield the mic because I'm complete.